All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Delivered by DoorDash. Welcome to episode 109 of the DFO Rundown. I'm Jason Greger alongside Frank Saravalli. And whew, hopefully the pod's going to be as spirited as last night in the National Hockey League. Lots going on. You got Point and Latang. Tanner, you know, he outlined it for us on Monday, Frank who he was going to take in a Royal Rumble amongst all his Moose Jaw Warrior teammates. And he goes, Point, because he'll just snap. And obviously you saw Point and Latang last night. Uh, Nathan McKinnon loses his marbles with a few seconds left after Dyson Mayo gives him a stick right in the face. There's lots going on last night. Uh, some big wins for some teams, some tough losses. And that's how it's going to be here down the stretch. Uh, I'm pretty excited. There's actually a playoff race in the Western Conference heating up. Yeah, I was going to say, that's what it felt like. It's like the calendar turned to March and the players, you know, recognize the position they're in in the standings. Maybe not so much in the East, but, you know, love to see the response from the Pittsburgh Penguins and then to see what the Tampa Bay Lightning said afterwards. They basically said, and I'm paraphrasing Pat Maroon's quote, but he, he said after the game when the, the Lightning lost 5-1, he goes, they did to us tonight what we've done to most teams all year. So uh, an indication of, uh, you know, sort of where things are at with the Pittsburgh Penguins, they're back on track uh, and things heating up in the West, by the way, had to ask you, is Dyson Mayo one of the most underrated hockey names in a while? Oh, it's pretty sweet, man. Dyson D Y S I N. I'd love to know how they came up with that. 
And uh, he also just signed a three-year contract extension, the uh, former Edmonton Oil King with the, the Arizona Coyotes. And, and you see, he stuck McKinnon. Now, obviously, it was accidental, but still, I could get why Nate McKinnon lost his marbles. You're, it's three to one. The game's over. There's, what was it, five seconds left? And right off the face-off, you go to lift his stick and hit him right in the face, and he's leaking all over. And, and then they throw the mitts down. I, I kind of like that from, uh, from uh, Colorado. I, I think that's a team that's got to play with a little bit bit more uh, nastiness at times and you know obviously they're they're running away with the western conference but i think mckinnon showing his teammates that we just we can't take losing for granted well we've learned that it doesn't exactly take a lot for nathan mckinnon to begin to lose his marbles i mean that yeah. that fuse is is relatively short uh compared to some others in the national hockey league so um i i get it too uh but I don't know. But at the same time, like things happen. Like, was he purposely trying to stick him in the face off the draw? I don't think so, but I mean, look, no. that happens relatively. How many high sticks a game do we get where someone gets poked in the face a lot, like two, two per game. I don't know. Something yeah. like that. It's a lot. You think it's that many? I, I mean, I feel like every game I watch at some point, somebody's checking their face for something like whether it's Connor McDavid last week or, oh, yeah. uh, I mean, it was what a couple of weeks back that uh, Austin Matthews had his run in with the post. That was a little different, but at some point, some game, I feel like we're dealing with at least one high stick per game. Yeah. Maybe it's a timing. Maybe it's the frustration. Uh, I didn't watch uh, the entire game. So I don't know if that there was something leading up to that. Like you saw a chicken at the same time, chicken snapping on Landeskog and in front of the net. So, um, you know, Hey, good for uh, good for Arizona, Frank, they have not rolled over. Uh, they've actually, like they've beaten some good teams lately. The, the coyotes. So I'll give them credit uh, there. There's no free spaces on the bingo card uh, at any, at any point in the national hockey league. We, we see upset wins. You saw Buffalo absolutely trounce Toronto. Uh, a few days ago so that uh, the final few months I've always I've never I, I always thought it was uh, you know kind of funny when when teams like there was bad teams know who's bad and they are well you know geez they got a lot of good players well no they don't have a lot of good players otherwise they wouldn't be that terrible and um so you don't see that as much anymore kind of the the backhanded compliment about oh they got a really good players and we got to respect them yada yada like we know which i love when coaches good. say that's a really good team over there oh. like, they're 29th in the league what do you mean they're really good <laughs> yeah i can't stand it so um but you know you look at the the, the you say there's no race in the east you're right for no playoff spots but the seating in the East, Frank, and I just want to point it out again. Here we are. It's March 4th. Are you doing it by points percentage? Hopefully. Please say yes. You can do it either one you want because okay. the po- the games played now is so close. You can go points percentage or you can go points. And right now, Carolina's number one. Washington's number eight. So they're going to stay in their division. Thank you. The NHL has two months to make one simple amendment because the last thing. Not we happening. Need- yeah, but it should. It makes no sense. You're going to have we we've known which four teams are going to make it from each division. Why would you have Carolina play Boston or Toronto? It makes no sense. If you want to talk rivalries, why would you do that? Look, it makes me a little bit sick to my stomach to agree with you. But I was singing your praises yesterday on Vancouver Radio saying the same exact thing that if there are four and four, there can't be a crossover. 100%. Yeah. Frank, speaking of Toronto, the uh, there's some teams with goaltending issues. What do you think Toronto does with Campbell and uh, and Morazic right now? It 
you know, a lot of people in Toronto feel like for Jack Campbell, it's more so between the ears than it is his talent level, but it's three months of sub 900. Yeah, it's we're approaching uh, exactly three months, December 7th, 890 save percentage since then. And I think, you know, there's no question that it's alarming. Um, I think they're trying to use every available opportunity to evaluate between now and March 21st, hoping that one of these guys can find their game. I mean, you give Jack Campbell a few days off to get his head right. And Peter Morazic doesn't look any better. They're 31st in the league in save percentage since December 1st. And this trend has gone on for so long, but hasn't really become a topic of conversation until the last two weeks or so, partly because they've found a way to outscore and paper over a lot of their mistakes. So Jack Campbell, with all that going on, has a winning record by a wide margin. You know, it's hard to do when you're, you're allowing that many goals, but it goes to show you that Toronto can, you know, can really score. And so the issue is when you get to the playoffs, you typically can't outscore your mistakes. So the other part of it is, is Jack Campbell allowing a lot or is, is Peter Morazic allowing a lot because of their own goaltending or is it because of some of the weaknesses and flaws that exist on this defense? So if you beef up your blue line, does that make your goaltending better? Well, to, your beef up your blue line or play maybe a better system and have the players do it. You know, some would argue that under Jay Woodcroft and Edmonton for 11 games, albeit small sample size alert that, uh, that, that has worked. Um, I still, you know, I wonder at some point your goalies have to be able to make big saves and no defensive team ever like Tampa Bay's won two Stanley Cups. They still relied on uh, one of the best goalies to make great saves at key times. Right. That's just I don't know if you can ever have that stifling of a defensive system nowadays that you can shelter your goaltender. But you're right. Maybe you can play a little bit better, Frank. I think that's valid. And so that's something they'll have to look at. But it's it's interesting to me because I just don't you know, we know Braden Holpe, but, you know, and and I still wonder about Dallas. Like I know people say, well, they could bring up Hudobin, right? And Jake Ottinger's their guy. But what if they truly believe Holtby's better? And they're in such a playoff run that those 10 starts down the stretch that they think they're going to get to Holtby or eight or whatever it is. Do they really want to go to a guy who's their third stringer just to get a second round pick or whatever they're going to get for Braden Holtby? So I'm kind of curious to see what Jim Nil does because I know there's Marc-Andre Fleury. Right. But other than that, like I'm not unless the really Islanders, yeah, like unless the Islanders are going to make a hockey trade and they, they want to move Varlamov, who has a year left on his contract. I just don't see a lot of goalies, Frank, like people have been talking about it, but I just I don't see it. Do you see anyone else as a realistic option on who would be a, an upgrade? Like there's some goalies you could acquire, but like, I'm James Reimer's banged up now. And but I'm not sure James Reimer's a guaranteed upgrade for Edmonton or Toronto or, you know, maybe Vegas is Robin Leonard's out, I guess, because their only options, Lauren Brassois at this point. That's the problem that's faced the Oilers for a long time. I think they look to make a goaltending change and haven't really found someone that they think can be a guaranteed difference maker. And I don't, I don't know what the answer is. Like what would Mark Andre Fleury look like in Toronto? 
that's really, uh, I think the question and, and what would it cost to get him? How would you make the money work? I mean, that's the only guy I could see as a reasonable upgrade. And the question is, would he want to go there? I think to this point, the answer is no on Edmonton. I think the answer is no on Washington. What's, you know, would he want to go to Toronto? That's the question. Yeah. And I'll say this, Kevin Woodley from Ingo Magazine, he talked a lot about Flurry, and Flurry plays better in a system where he gets a lot of shots. So that might fit in well in Toronto, but you know, you're right. Does he want to go there? You know, obviously it's a huge cap hit. So how do you make it's it huge work? pressure? Do you want to sign up for that? I mean, that's the question everyone has to ask themselves, I guess, if you're going there. Yeah. Flurry's personality, he would seem like a guy who, you know, he seems pretty laid back and, you know, jokester and a prankster. I think if like, maybe he might relish that opportunity, you know, maybe Yeah, he'd be one of those guys. Say, yeah. I think I can have, cause I'll tell you right now, if you go to Toronto and you win, you are a folklore legend. Yes. Forever. Right? Like ever. So there is that side of it too. 55 um, years? I mean, it's a long time. Yeah. And uh, I, if, I was, if I was wagering right now, Frank, and it's an easy wager because there's 15 other teams, um, you know, I would take the field to win over Toronto for sure. So, I'd, uh, you know, I would, there's the only team I might take against the field right now is Colorado. That's the only team. I don't think I'd take any other team in the East against That's the fair. field. No. So, but just going back to Toronto though, like, could you imagine the situation that unfolds if they don't go out and get a goalie? They have this roster that they feel is ready for playoff success has another great regular season and the position that they hadn't really thought was a problem all, all year long until the last little while is the one that ends up coming back to bite them. Could you imagine if that's what unfolds? Like how, why? I mean, it'd be, it'd be unbelievable. It'd be peak Leafs really. Well, it shows you how, how challenging it can be. And that's why, like, really, when, when we go through the list, how many goalies can you say at the start of the year that you're very confident you know you're gonna, what you're going to get from them? Right? Like, it's such a difficult position. Like, because you can maybe have four- seven guys. Yeah. Five to you, seven guys. Because you can have forwards, Frank, who might be, you know, 90 point guys, three, four years, and then they have an off year and they score 70 points or whatever, which doesn't, but it gets hidden, right? Like it doesn't crush you. Whereas if your goalie suddenly has a nine ten or a nine Oh eight and whatever happens, maybe he's got a little tweak and he's trying to play through it. There's so much more exposed, right? And that's why it's such a difficult one, but I would agree with you. There's there's, I'm not sure there's 10 goalies. You can say confidently. I'm not even sure there's seven. Yeah. Honestly, I'm going through the list right now. So it's like Vasilevsky. You can probably include Chesterkin in the, that category because he's done it consistently for a number of years. Thatcher Demko. UC Soros. Hellebuck. Connor Hellebuck. John Gibson. And that's pretty much it. Now, what about Fred? Would Freddie Anderson be just on the cusp of that? Not really. I mean, yeah. if he if he was, then they would have kept him. Right. Uh, the it, issue with Anderson has been injury. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I the mean, other he, guy he who, had twenty four games last year at eight ninety five. Like that. Yeah. 
that's not a year where you that's that, that's exactly what we're talking about this year to year swoon between you know really good years and bad years for goalies what about Bobrovsky he had two down years right yeah two down yeah. years in a row a- after a sustained run as being in that category yeah yeah. So it's, it's tough, man. Like it's, you know, we could even go for forwards, but there are, there's probably, when I think about it, the same amount of forwards that you say, Hey, you know, Connor McDavid, Leon Drysaddle right now, you know, Austin Matthews is pretty consistent in what he does, misses a few games, but you know, Patrick Kane for the longest time, he's getting a little bit older now. It's hard, man. Like it is hard to be elite, but the goaltending position is just so much more noticeable if you're off. Did I, did I say Jacob Markstrom? Cause he should be in that category. Yeah. Yeah. Although look at his numbers last year in Calgary, well, obviously a one year blip, but even, yeah. even Markstrom, who I agree with you has been excellent, had kind of an off year. I mean, there's, it's just hard to do. It's so yes. it's, it's not just individual. It's also team dependent. Yeah. Yeah. A connection. So like you, it'll be fascinating to see what, uh, what comes here in the next 17 days leading up to the, uh, to the NHL trade deadline. If does Mark Andre Fleury move? And, I don't know. I don't know how Toronto could possibly go into the playoffs at this point, given what we see right now, maybe someone writes themselves, Jack Campbell or Peter Morazic, one of them steps up to grab the crease. Short of that, I don't know how they could go to the deadline and not address the position. Well, that's fair. Another guy, Frank, who we might put in that list is Sorokin in New York. He's, he's young. He's getting close. He's getting close there yep. for sure. And that's why Var, like if you're the New York Islanders, Varlamov, he's, you have to think has big value for a team because he's got, you would have two playoff runs with him, right? Yeah. It's kind of like a position of the, the Barkley Goudreau Coleman trade where you get a guy for two years. But just think about this list and think about how many guys used to be on this list that are no longer. Yeah. Well, Carey Price, right? Jonathan Quick. I mean, like, yes, some of those guys have gotten a little bit older, but Braden Holpe once upon a time was on that list. And, yep. you know, there, there's just, there's tons of guys that have been in that group that just haven't been able to, to really do it. You, you fall off. Martin Jones was on that list for a little bit. It happens. Oh, well, yeah, he had three fell off the cliff in San Jose, three straight years of 896. That was kind of freaky to watch. Um, moving, Frank, to, to guys who are doing it. How long before Marty St. Louis loses the interim tag, do you think, in Montreal? He's got the Habs competing, man. They just beat the Flames. Yeah, they're uh, they're rolling. I, I love the energy that he has. I love the different outlook. I love his confidence. Um, he just seems to really enjoy it. And I think that infectious energy bring something to a team. Um, remember we were talking about the Montreal Canadians and how this was a no risk signing, no risk hire. Yeah. Well, the risk is that you end up passing a team like Buffalo over these last 27 games and you put yourself in a spot where you're decreasing the amount of ping pong balls you have. You pass Seattle, you pass, you know, get well ahead of Arizona. Like they were, they were the 32nd team in the league for a while based on points percentage. And now they're quickly kind of sliding up the board. And that's really the only risk for the Canadians. But I guess if the answer is in, in the lottery being a crapshoot as it is anyway, you're better or happier that you're finding your coach, especially in a year where there's some, there's already some disagreement in terms of who that top pick is. And 
not only that, but agreement in the sense with Shane Wright that he's not going to be a franchise changing player. And uh, speaking of interim tags, Frank, uh, uh, Davison lost his in Chicago. He is now the GM. And when you look at the Blackhawks, they currently they don't have their first round pick unless it's unless they win the lottery and it's number one or two. Right. It's top two protected. So, you know, they'd have to win the lottery to uh, to get in there. And when I look at Chicago, you've got Calvin DeHaan, you got Flurry. Do you think he's he's going to push even harder to make a trade because he wants to get a first rounder? Is there still in a rebuild? Still, they're just starting. I mean, he flat out came out and said in his introductory press conference this week, we are rebuilding and had a conversation with the top players on the team um, to kick off the week, you know, to kick off his introductory press conference saying, hey, just letting you know that. Um, you know, I'm coming out and, and letting everyone know publicly that we're going to rebuild and and wanted to just make sure I told you guys before I said it. And I think something like that, that message goes a long way. Um, but I think that also puts just about everyone on the team on alert that, you know, aside from maybe Patrick Kane or, or Jonathan Taves or, uh, Seth Jones, I, I'd put Kirby Doc in that category. I think the Blackhawks absolutely love Kirby Doc, and he's going to be a big part of what they're building. Everyone else is is up for grabs. Like if someone is hitting the asking price for Brandon Hagel, he's moving. If someone hits the asking price, maybe not now, he's available, but maybe in the summer, Alex DeBrinket, he's moving. Like they they're going to begin tearing this down piece by piece, and it's going to start between now and March 21st. It's not just going to be about moving Calvin Hahn. It's not just going to be about moving Marc-Andre Fleury. They're going to begin these conversations in earnest to try and make changes. Would it, would it be a spoiler alert to say that they've probably been in a rebuild a little bit longer than now finally publicly acknowledging it? <laughs> right? I, think you're, I think it's unfair to say that because they were ramping up that Last summer, think about the the moves that they made to try and get better. They yeah. traded for Tyler Johnson, even though it was part of a salary cap dump. They tr they made that whopper of a trade. What rebuilding team trades their first round pick? They were not rebuilding last summer. They were ramping up to be a competitive team again, and now they're going to tear it down. I think I think I think that's inaccurate. Well, no, my point was Frank. They might have thought that they were still. I think they might have overrated some of the uh, the abilities they had on their roster and adding Seth Jones is, is great but they traded for a seven million dollar goalie oh, I, know I know they didn't give up anything they gave but up nothing right doesn't like, matter you're taking on a seven million dollar goalie yeah oh no because but, and you convinced your the seven million dollar goalie that was contemplating retirement to come to your team because you thought that there was a chance that you could be a playoff team this year yeah yeah Oh, no, That's I not a rebuilding team. They haven't acted like a rebuilding team. Yeah, but they've also missed up. This will be five years that they, although I know that there's the, the bubble lockout when they were whatever it was, the 23rd team where they wouldn't have been a playoff team. So that's a little bit of an asterisk, but um, this will be five years that uh, they you know would have finished outside of the top, what, 20 teams in the standings. So mm -hmm. um, the, the, the Brinkat one's fascinating to me because the guy can score. And he's got one year left, but I understand if you if you now tell your organization you're going into a rebuild, the challenge of doing the rebuild, Frank, is how do you 
because if you just go with all young guys, they just get their face kicked in for years, like a Kirby Doc, for instance, right? Does Kirby, like, you want Kirby Doc to at least have some competitive, you know, years where the team's not out of it in January, right? Like that can wear on guys. So that, that it's a fine line. I know it's hard to do, but like, to me, I would look and say, Hey, if I'm going to pay Alex to brink at seven or 8 million, like, like Jonathan Taves, when his contract's over, whatever his new contract is, it's not going to be 10.5 million. I'm not, you know, who knows how long he'll play. He's, he's had some health issues, but he feels like a guy with his comments this week that maybe has only one year left in his career. Yeah. So, so there's 10.5 mil, right? I'd freeze up a lot of money. So even if they already the have a lot of money, they only have yeah. uh, $58 million committed to next year's cap. Yeah. Like trading to break. They already to have a sense. bonanza of dollars to spend, but to is also due a $9 million qualifying offer after next season. So if your team's rebuilding, isn't the best way to do it to trade off the pieces that have real value. That's, yeah, but the problem you have is, to do, you, you no, have you, a you, lack of talent on your team. That's but, really the truth of what the Chicago Blackhawks are facing. The talent gap between themselves and the other teams in the central division is large. I agree. But then trading off some of your most talented guys for futures just widens that gap. Doesn't it? But that's the point is they're not trying to be good now. They're trying to be good five years from now. Yeah. I'd uh, I'd love to see what they get for Debrinkat because the odds of what they receive for Debrinkat ending up being better in five years, I bet you are lower than what Debrinkat would be over the next five years on the team. And even if you have to qualify them at 9 million, Frank, for argument's sake, that's John. So that's 2.6 more than what you're paying him now but you're getting 10.5 from Taves off the cap and you, they've got tons of caps. There's no question that they can afford it. That's not the question. The question is in five years when they want to be really good and start being good, Alex DeBrincat will be 29 years old. Yeah. What's wrong with that? Nothing. But in between now and then you could have gotten a guy that's 18. That's 23 by then. No. And will he be as good though as to bring cat? That's the, that's well, why I always you say you got to get multiple pieces then to, to give yourself shots to get that player. Yeah. I mean, the Brinkett was a 39th overall pick in the second round. Those guys exist. You, you can find them. That, no, it's true. They're rare though. I, yep. I, I, I'll say we'll revisit this. And in, in, if they do deal Alex to bring cat, having seen it so many times, I study these teams who build, and the biggest mistake is they trade away proven players for hope. And rarely does the hope pan out. That's all I'm saying. It's rare. It takes, I think I'm leaning more towards your assessment from a few weeks back that it takes eight years. Yeah, I know. And that's the, tough but I part think the it. only way to speed it up is to totally go scorched earth theory and just blow the entire thing up. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Haw well, you know what? Hawks fans can't feel sorry for them because they won three Stanley cups in yeah, six I years. Mean, that's, that's the thing. Know. What do you like? What's there to complain about? Yeah. But the, it is also they're languishing now they're, they're yeah. in no man's land. Oh yeah. No, that's, that's the worst part. You'd, you'd rather either be terrible because drafting, you know, ninth to 15th, historically the odds are lower. You can still get guys there. What's exciting about what they have now. 
Yeah, it's much lower. And right now they probably don't even have their first round pick. So that's why I think he's going to push hard to try to get something uh, done before the draft for sure. Just because he wants, you're right. If they admit they're in a rebuild and they don't even have a first rounder, man, that just extends the rebuild another season passes. So why you need to get as many as you can now. Lastly, quick, Frank, Colorado. What do you think they're going to do? Are they good enough right now? Or do they need to add? I think they're good enough right now. I don't like show me where there's a hole. I mean, you've mentioned size on the back end. Yes. Obviously having Eric Johnson for a playoff run changes it a little bit. Yep. I don't know. I don't, I don't see, I don't see holes here, but, and I think there's real risk in a team that's been cruising right along to add in a piece that takes away someone else's role and then adds pressure to that new player to, to contribute. I, I don't know. I'm in the minority probably in that because I think everyone wants to try and add and, and try and improve their team when you're in a, a spot like this and you have a true authentic shot at a Stanley cup. I mean, what would we peg their chances at at the moment? Oh, they're the favorite. One in five. Yeah, they're the they're the favorite because they don't have as many high quality teams in the West as the East teams do. It's still just such a crapshoot. Like, I don't, I, I, I don't know. They also don't have a first round pick. So if they're trading a first round pick, it's in twenty twenty three. Not that that matters, but it's you know just another pretty good draft. Have one. That's what I mean. It's yeah. Um. I don't know. I, I personally don't think this team needs to do anything. Okay. You, I think, well, they got to me, they got out of defenseman and I think they will. I think they'll add a defenseman and that can be, it doesn't have to be the biggest name defense, but they just need someone who's a big, strong, good defender. I think it good teams need eight of them sometimes in the postseason. And so give me your someone. prototype, your ideal. I think Ben Sherrod helps them. Okay. Is Ben Sherrod worth a first and a third? That's a good question. Well, their their first rounder is going to be so late. Um, considering, I I'm going to say yes. If well, obviously it's hindsight, but I would say yes because I think their their opportunity to win. They got two years, right? They got two great runs because of McKinnon's contract, and then it changes a bit. You know, he's still a good player, but he's going to be getting paid way more. So. I think these next two years, if if I look at a team, if Chicago's a team that has to go full score earth, I think Colorado's got to be a team that pushes their chips in. And I would push my chips in now for two playoff runs if I'm Colorado. Okay. So I would go I would go bench I would go bench rot for a for a first and a third. I know that's a lot. No. Well, that's what they've been asking for for weeks now, and they haven't gotten it. So yeah, so they might not get that, right? Well, I think it's a buyer's market this year. Like if you look at it. I would it, agree. There, the number of playoff teams that are already solidified, you're, you're not, there aren't any teams that are trying to add that are knocking on the door. Most of the teams that are right sort of in that mix are probably not going to be big buyers. Then you've got other teams that are in the mix that aren't likely to be big buyers like uh, a Pittsburgh. Calgary's already done their shopping. Yeah. Washington, and a lot of the teams, their GM, Brian McClellan, came out this week and said he's not going to be aggressive. That's three teams right there that you can pretty much take off the board. I think Tampa is lurking, 
but they are so capped out that I don't know that they could do anything if they wanted to. Yeah. Minnesota is the other one, Frank, I'm a little curious about because, you know, they got just the brutal dead cap space starting for the next three seasons. But that um, isn't that a reason to get a rental then now? No, that's what I mean. I, I yeah. agree with you. I think Minnesota is a team I would put in that that could be lurking and, and making a move just because they know that. Well, they're not lurking. I think they're a part of the the group that's that that's buying. It's Colorado, Carolina, Florida, Toronto, Rangers, St. Louis, Minnesota and Boston. That's it. That's, that's, think, a, that's a small group. Now, what about, well, Vegas, the health of Laner, and then even, I still think Edmonton would like to tweak something. I don't think Edmonton. But they're not big me. buyers. I don't think it's nah. for Edmonton. It's probably goaltending. And if not, it's, it's a, it's a defenseman that is, we're not talking top four guy. Yeah. I can Holland has said that he doesn't, you know, this team hasn't necessarily, he knows when to buy and this team to this point hasn't shown that they're worthy of it. Yeah, no, that's fair. I, I still think Edmonton, I wouldn't be so shocked if they don't get the goalie or defenseman, I wouldn't be surprised for them to try to add some, some skilled size in their bottom six still. Like if, if they're going to battle a Calgary team, I think they need that. Okay. Or Vegas. But there, would you call them a big buyer? Like a clear? No, well, they don't have much buyer. cap space either, right? That's the other thing. They're pretty much LTIR. So. so those are the teams. Colorado, Carolina, Florida, Toronto, the Rangers, St. Louis, Minnesota, and Boston. That's eight teams. And so that's we why we usually me, have a lot more than that that are in the mix to yeah. to really be movers and shakers at the deadline. Yeah, and I think the list you just made, Frank, to me, it's why if I'm Carolina, I'm pushing in even more. Majority of those teams are in the East, so you you amp up your team. You've already got the best team in the West. Now you could augment it and you know give yourself maybe juggernaut status. You meant Colorado, right? Yeah, you said Carolina. Sorry. Oh, sorry, yeah, Colorado. Um, okay. So what do you make of the Claude Giroux addition or talk in Colorado? Yeah. I, I don't know if that's their main priority, to be honest. Like I think Claude Giroux is a good player and would help you, but I still, and you know, so I, I, what I see in kick Colorado, Colorado can score with anybody. I don't see scoring as their big issue. So I, I think they need to solidify their back end first, but that's just me. They've got the second most goals in the league. Second only to Florida. They're the one of only two teams with 200 plus to this point. So, oh, yeah, they can score, man. Yeah. They, they got a lot of boards. Well, but, and I think, I think if you're Claude Giroux, you're sitting there and you're sizing up your options and you say, well, yes, Colorado might be the best chance to win. It's also maybe the best chance to, to be a misfit on that team. Is it not? Like if you're, if you're Claude Giroux and you're trying to pick your spot of where you're heading to chase a cup. You don't really want to be a guy that gets there and ends up on the third line and isn't used properly, do you? Isn't that a real possibility there more than anywhere else? Well, yeah, right, because they have pretty deep top six. But maybe Giroux looks and says, hey, team, like we say that, but then you look at how important Tampa Bay's third line was to their two championships. And maybe he sees that and says, hey, if, if I make their third line that good, or maybe they move someone from their top six to their third line, you know, that it does give them, you know, it would add to it, but he's a huge cap it. I think they got to have a third team for, for them to well, even fit him in. There's a lot of third teams that are, have lined up this year to, to do that, that have made it really clear. Seattle, Ron Francis said again this week, we've let everyone know we're ready and willing to do it. 
New Jersey, Columbus, um, Detroit, Arizona. Arizona, San Jose. There's a lot of teams that are saying funnel your money through us. I'd imagine Buffalo's in the mix. Uh, you know, that's, that's a lot of help out there. And you know, what's cool about that is Jason, it's like shopping for a house. You go in and get the best rate shopping for a mortgage. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, you say, Hey, I'll trade you, uh, you know, you, you retain this much and, and you pit the teams against each other instead of just dealing with someone that you like in order to get the best deal for your team and have the most cap hit uh, for the least amount of asset or the least asset cost or price, if that makes yeah. any sense. No, it's, it's funny that there might be more uh, retainers than there are buyers. So that's a, uh, that's an, there, I think there's bit. like an even like that goes to t- that, that alone right there. What you said shows that it's a buyer's market. Yeah. No. And uh, hey, real estate in Edmonton right now is definitely a seller's market, Frank. Houses, whatever they're listing, they're all going above list price because there's none on the market. So yeah, uh, we'll see if uh, somebody can get uh, better value for what they're trying to sell here in the next 17 days. Let's bring in uh, Tyler Uremchuk. T.Y., how you doing? Yeah, you don't need to tell me how insane the housing market is here in Edmonton. It's just, uh, if you're trying, you're trying to, to buy get your- in. If you're trying to buy your first house right now, it is just stupid out there, Frank. Get in, man. It's only going to go up. Yeah, no kidding. Um, All right, let's get into it. Buy or sell presented by our friends over at DoorDash. (laughs) Promo code RUNDOWNDD gets you 25% off and no delivery fees on your first order. Last year, in the three weeks leading up to the NHL trade deadline and including the deadline itself, we had 35 trades buy or sell on there being more than that this year, Frank. Sell. I easy sell. Wow. Yeah, I'm go, I'm going sell too. That's I, 35. I just, wow, that's a lot. It, it well, includes the we and it includes everything. It includes every like small, the little, yeah. yeah, the tiny uh yeah. mice nuts trades that happen at at 247 on deadline day involving some minor league guys. Um yeah, I just for some of the reasons we outlined um, some of them, some of the other guys that are, so we have 35 names on our trade targets board. And some of those guys are longer term, big picture things that probably, you know, frankly won't materialize, but are being talked about. And Jay, you're going, you're taking yeah, uh, I'm, the sell too. I, I'm sadly I'm selling because as a, a, I love transaction. I, I get the, the human side. I understand it's hard on players and family. So I don't want to downplay that, but from a fan of the game, I just like to see the transactions it gives you so much to talk about and dissect and analyze to see, you know, which trade's going to work out uh, for the player and stuff. But uh, sadly I will also sell. There are a total of five goaltenders on Frank Cervalli's trade bait board. They are Mark Andre flurry, Jonas Corposalo, Alexander Gorgiev, Braden Holpe, and Anton Forsberg. I say four of them get moved. At least four of them get moved. Buy or sell on that, Jason? Yeah, I will. I will sell. I just, I do want to say, I don't know if there's who's ever the hype man of Jonas Corposalo. That guy deserves a raise. This guy's been sub 900 for, and everybody's like, yeah, Jonas Corposalo. Yeah. I'm like, what question is he the answer to? I don't get it. So, but I'm going to sell, um, Georgia the interesting, uh, Gorgiev, excuse me, is the interesting one for me. Um, because he could be a longer term play, right? He's not just a a rental guy, but uh, I'm going to say, Ultimately, under I'll say three. I'll buy. I think all five move. Whoa! Because even Holby. Yeah, I, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't. For exactly what you just said, Jay. 
this is an opportunity for non-playoff teams to get ahead of the goalie carousel. And especially for a pending unrestricted free agent like a Corpus Allo. Corpus Allo is walking no matter what. He's not coming back to Columbus. Even if it's a mid-round pick or a late-round pick, Columbus is better off moving him. So it's not going to be the acquisition price that holds a team back. And especially if that's the cost, you get him into your team and you throw him in the net for 12 games to close out the year. And if he's good and he's a fit, then you say, Hey, I'm re-signing this guy. Other teams are looking for insurance. Um, you know, Hopi could be a guy on a playoff team. Flurry could be a guy on a playoff team. Forsberg could be a guy that a team wants to get ahead of for next season. I, I don't see any reason why these guys don't all move. And and by the way, on Corpus Allo, why teams are interested is because he has had playoff success. He was really good against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And uh-huh. they say, well, maybe this guy can do it again. And he's clearly been unhappy in his situation in Columbus. He's wanted to get out for a while now. Maybe it's just a change of scenery. Yeah, fair enough. Right now for my third one, let's go to a team that could potentially be in the goaltending market in the Vegas Golden Knights. If you sort by points percentage, I mean, they're not even, they're tied with Edmonton for the third spot in the Pacific division. I'm going to say Vegas gets in, but they will not have home ice advantage in round one. Frank, you buying or selling? Statistically, I'm selling. I still think they're the likeliest to finish second. Uh, I'll buy that all day long. I think they're goaltending problems and, um, uh, their schedule, they don't have a lot of home games down the stretch. So uh, even though they haven't been that good at home, funny enough, but I will, uh, I will, I will buy that uh, they are not having home ice advantage. Jay, I'm laughing after we just said all that. I may be Corpus Hollow's hype man. You're like, who is this guy? It, it <laughs> yeah, might be me. You, you might be. You, you don't even know. Yeah. You don't even know. If you're looking for where to send the checks, Mr. Corpus Allo, we will put Frank's mailing address yeah, in the description. It, make of the it box. out to Dr. Frank Saravalli. <laughs> All right. Relative of Dr. Drake Ramore. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Points by bonus question. Our friends at points by Canada, they are all in on the briar and why wouldn't they be? I mean, come on, nothing says Canada like the briar. Am I right, Greg? It's down in Lethbridge, Alberta this year as well. Uh, Over on the real life podcast, they've been given us there. We've been given away uh, like all inclusive weekends at the briar. It's unbelievable. Anyways, Points by bonus question. We're Who going doesn't want bit- an all-inclusive weekend in Lethbridge, Alberta? <laughs> yeah. Frank, have free, you ever been food, to the Briar Patch? Frank, have you ever been to a Briar Patch? No. Oh, okay. Unbelievable. The Briar Patch, Frank, is like, uh, how, how would I explain it? It's, it's, well, it's basically just a free-for-all party. And the reason that the curling fans love it it's so you imagine that you go and it, it would be hard. So let's say you're in the Stanley Cup playoffs and they were in the bubble in the round when you had all the teams there and you would go into this big cabaret dinner and all of a sudden you're at the bar and right beside you as you're a fan is for the players from your favorite NHL team. Because that's what the Briar Patch is. The reason the curling fans love it is the curlers are in there, in a lot of cases, just tipping back the beers with the fans. And the people, it is an absolute gong show. Like, know. if you like to socialize, you need to go to the Briar Patch just once. So be my I, recommendation. I would actually like that. But my thing is, I feel like watching curling live, it's a sport that's not nearly as good as it is on TV. Fair? Oh, no, right? it's, Fair. You just good sit life. in the crowd, Frank, and you you can watch it's multiple quiet, games at once, right? But it, you watch multiple four, games at once. Right? Yeah. But but so. it's quiet and 
There's no like. Oh, no, no. They got the cowbells. The fans are because they're cheering different shots at different times. Oh, I don't know. I just I feel like it's like the NFL. It's better on TV than it is in person. Anyways, the question that we got here for the points bet bonus question. I love curling. I picked up curling in my last year of high school and then I still curl once, sometimes twice a week. Now, what's one sport you wish you would have picked up earlier in life, Frank? Golf. But you're big into it now, right? I am, but I, I, I started playing when I was like eight and I, I stopped by the time I was 10. So I had enough fundamentals, but I went from 10 all the way till like 24 without playing at all. Oh. And that was a really long time to take off. And I wish, you know, I think it's one of those sports, like learning a language, like you pick it up early, you, you have it for the rest of your life. And it's a very difficult sport to pick up later. Uh, without question, lacrosse. Huh? Um, I love. I did play by play in that sport for twelve years and fell in love with it. It'd be a great sport, and I I think it really crosses over. It helps you footwork and hand coordination and how to absorb contact in a lot of other sports. So uh, definitely, lacrosse would have been that sport for me. There you go. Little known fact: I was a lacrosse player in high school. Uh, yeah. yeah. You were, you were a good hockey rocks. player too back in the day. Field. You were an athlete. You were an all around yeah. athlete, Frank. Yeah, I know. It's hard to believe now looking at me. <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for another edition of uh, Buy or Sell Delivered by DoorDash. Oh, I, I, I think on Fridays we should make it mandatory that it's Liam's ding dong, though. I, I think we have to I put agree. that because it's just like pause of Friday, man. It just gets you in the mood for the uh, the weekend. Um, I want to get your thoughts quickly, Frank. We talked about Forsberg. What, what do you what do you make of Ottawa? We haven't really talked about Ottawa and Pierre Dorian. What, you know, they're obviously out of it. What what is what is he doing? Does he, what do you what do you expect moves from him? Well, they're trying to sign Nick Paul. Yeah, they um, should. And if they don't, they're gonna have to trade him. They offered three years times two million, and that didn't get it done. So then the question is kind of like the Tyler Mott situation in Vancouver. You've got this heart and soul player that everyone seems to like but the offensive production isn't necessarily there all the time to warrant a large, a significant cap hit. So how do you manage that? How does that work? Yeah. Cause I agree with you. I think Ottawa, who's a team that's that they've been in the, you know, in rebuild mode for a long time. And I think they're, they're starting to come. They're at the, the cusp where they should be coming out of it. And Nick Paul's a player you really need. And like, to, to lose him, if if he wants, I'm just, let's say he wants 2.4, right? And you offer two, I would bite the bullet and, and sign him for three years at 2.4. But what if right? he's looking at it and he's saying, I want Sean Corrali money, 2.75 times four. I don't, I'm just yeah. no, I'm no, throwing a number yeah. out there because I think that's the same sort of general world that um, Tyler Mott is in and Van and Van's problem is under Jim Benning, they committed too much, too many dollars to players that aren't drivers or difference makers. I think in this case that Mott actually deserves that title because he does drive a line for them. And he's a good penalty killer, which they desperately need, oh. but it's they've got other players, Jason Dickinson at two, six, five. That's clogging things up. Yeah. yeah. I think Ottawa, like sometimes, you know, you look and say, well, do we, we want to pay Nick Paul blank. Right. And he wants 2.7. If, if he wanted to, and, and, and or you want to give him two and he really wants 
That's a player I, I would go, Frank, for the 2.7 because I don't think it ends up being a massive overpay for you, right? To, you know, Nick Paul, for what he does and the type of player he is, I think he's vital. They've got their top skill guys in Kachuk and Norris right. and They need Batherson other pieces like Paul. Stutzel. Yeah, they, they, he's, he's exactly what a role player was like a Yanni Gord and Coleman and those guys for Tampa. And and for, and you don't want to overpay to the like tune of a million or two million for a year. But if it's seven hundred grand for a guy who because two point seven is you can live up to that contract, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think there's a chance you can come in where people will say, "Hey, it's it's not a it's not a value deal," but he he's living up to it. And I think Nick Paul is one of those players that's very important to Ottawa as they try to come out of the rebuild. And I think they'll they'll regret it if they don't sign him. And like unless he wants some ridiculous money like three point seven or something, right? But if it's if it's like seven hundred grand, sometimes you have to bite the bullet on those guys because I think they add to your team. So it's not done. You yeah. asked what they'll do. Like they don't have really any choice if they feel like they're not going to get it done. He has real value, but the playoff team would be all over a guy like that oh, to 100%. add to your mix. So yeah. that's really their big decision. Uh, they've got some RFAs. Like I think they want to try and I think they'd consider making a hockey trade, but you know, Zach Sanford is another guy as a UFA. He could generate some interest. Um, yeah. Other than that, like Anton Forsberg. Yeah, that's it. I mean, yeah. they're they're probably trying to figure out how they can add to get these pieces in place for next season. Frank, it's uh, been an interesting one, man. We'll be two weeks away on uh, Monday, and uh, I think we might have a special guest. Uh, we're still waiting to confirm that, so I don't want to jinx it, but uh, could have a big guest on Monday, and we're going to have a very unique story coming up uh, next Friday on the pod in the hockey circles. And uh, for uh, for our me- for our men listeners, specific- well, and our, our women listeners who have men in their life, I think you'll want to listen to next Friday's how many, pod. How many sure. women listeners do you think we have? So, well, I percent. I, I do the numbers. What is it? Five percent. Five percent? Oh, it's better than I thought. I was gonna say zero point three. I don't know. There you go. Hey, well, you know what? We've had we've had quite a few uh uh women guests on the show over the years, and uh, we mm-hmm. have more coming and um, we'll get into that rivalry game in Pittsburgh that's uh that's coming up. I think that's gonna be uh well attended and you know, people like that. Like good for the good for the women who want to play that game. I think that you know that they need a few more of those. And to me, it all comes down to I saw and before we leave, Frank, because we talked about it, you know, Chris Botta had reported that you know they're getting closer to having a, a one league for the women next year. And I've we've discussed this on the show. You know, we, every one of our, our 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 lady guests agree. You get one league. I think the NHL wants to help out the one league. For one league, yeah, yes, and I, they need it, and hopefully that comes to fruition because that that would that's the next step to take the women's game for them to grow, and that's going to help them at the Olympics because you're going to have the best Finnish players and Swedish players and and Russians and Czechs and all them playing in that league against the the Americans and Canadians. That's how they'll get better. We've seen it in the NBA, right? Like you I look, agree. Well, the NBA, the United States demolished teams. It wasn't even close. The first dream team. And now you look at how those uh, other countries and, and it's, you know, there's lots of them playing in the NBA and how much more competitive they are against the U.S. now than they ever were before. And it takes time. People think this will be like a five year thing. No, it's going to take some time, but it's worked in the NBA. And I think it can work in the women's game and hopefully they get that single league. With all due respect, it's time for the PHF to step aside. 
clearly the second tier of players and they're the, they're the league that's in the way of the PWHPA of, of really making progress and headway. Yeah. Agree. Look for the betterment of your sport. Agreed. Need to do it. Frank, have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Saravali and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed And it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.